Yo, how's it going, my friend? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Good. Very, very glad to finally be able to get you on and to be able to chat with you. Um, honestly, to be able to meet you because we haven't really talked other than like Facebook. So right. this is pretty. This is pretty dope. Um, uh, nice to meet you, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Um, so would you like to go ahead and just uh, introduce yourself a little bit, uh, let folks know who you are? Yeah, um, my name is Victor Coronado. I hail from uh, New Jersey. I was born and raised in the city of Perth Amboy, an immigrant city. Um, parents were born and raised in the Dominican Republic. And um, I'm uh, one half of uh, Sons of Fidel. Sons of Fidel is a program um, a podcast that we have on the Anticoquista platform. Uh, that's uh, Anticoquista.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's who I am. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't like to talk about myself too much, uh, but, uh, but uh, I don't know if you had any, any other um, you know, questions on that, but that, that's who I am. Yeah, no, I just like to kind of get, uh, 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 you know, everybody a chance to just kind of say who they are, where they're from, because I think oftentimes, like, you know, stuff like this is done for the sake of trying to educate and trying to right. bring folks to places where they can be educated. So I'd like to give people the ability to plug their stuff, you know. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, here's, here's the thing. Dominicans are notorious. I can say this. I'm Dominican-American. Uh, I was born and raised here. My parents were born and raised in the Dominican Republic. Dominicans are notorious for it. When you ask them, hey, who you are and where you're from, they'll, they'll give you this long diatribe of all the, all the different organizations. I'm a president of like 27 different organizations, and I do this and I do that. You know, and I, I heard a long time ago in my 20s, you know, who we are isn't necessarily really important. What we do collectively, the work that we put in, that, that's important. So I'm always a little, you know. I guess uh, reserved when it comes to you know talking about myself or whatever. But anyways, <laughs> so listen, that goes anti. Uh, that goes the opposite of just about everybody that you and I probably are interacting with on like Twitter and stuff. So right. hey, we we need someone like you every once in a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just I wanted to ask you just kind of like you know some brief little intro questions to yeah. get us working into our topic of discussion today but yeah again thank you so much victor for coming on the show uh folks check out the stuff that victor and anti-conquista are doing because it's important work and you know it deserves to be seen um but yeah so i just wanted to hit you with a few questions just kind of broad here and and just get some of your takes uh and and stuff so First and foremost, uh, we do, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on, you know, what class you come from, uh, live in the U.S. Uh, and it's it's pretty difficult to, like, be an open socialist or communist in this country, um, not just for, you know, the fear, but also just for the fact that the huge hegemonic control uh, by the U.S. propaganda machine against communism makes most conversations about communism pretty like uh, 101 based and you have to cover a lot of ground just to be able to like say like no socialism didn't kill 500 billion people right um and so i just wanted to ask like how is it that you really made your way to socialism or communism and kind of what were some life experiences that really brought you down this path yeah so <clears throat> 
you know, we just last week we had a, a special guest on on uh, Sons of Fidel. We had M1 from rap group Dead Prez, and I um. So I, that's really it's, it's gonna. I mean, maybe to some it might sound funny, but it's the truth. It it started with Dead Prez. It started when you know when they dropped that album in two thousand. Um, Let's get free. Um, it's it sort of not sort of it changed my life. Um, I knew I wanted to be to I want I knew I wanted to become a revolutionary right after that. Um, after listening to that album, it was just uh, you know I I used the analogy last week. It was like somebody gave me a key to a door that I desperately wanted to go through. I didn't know what was behind that door, but I knew I needed that key, and uh, Dead Press gave me that key. So then, you know, once I listened to the album, you know they were you know uh, then they had me curious about you know folks like Malcolm X. I studied I started studying uh, Malcolm X. And, um, you know, I always tell folks, it's okay to read a book about him. That That's okay. Um, read his speeches. Go read his speeches. Go read what that, you know, go go read what he actually said, right? Um, so I, I strongly encourage folks to actually read him, uh, you know, in his own words. Um, and then I started learning about the Cuban Revolution. <clears throat> and I started learning about the Young Lords uh, and the Black Panthers and whatnot. So so it started it started with a, with a hip-hop album. <laughs> Um, and then, um, and then it led me down that path. And then, you know, of course I, obviously then I started studying, you know, uh, Marx and Lenin. Um, you know, I always tell folks like, I'm not a, look, I, I'm a worker, man. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of material I still haven't read yet. Uh, I'm not an intellectual, I'm not an academic. Um, I didn't go to college. Um, I've been working all my life since I was 12 years old. I've been working. So, you know, I, whatever the little bit I do know, is from, you know, I do have a library. Um, and so I, you know, on my own time, I, I, I try to read as much as I can. But, you know, I've been an activist since since my early 20s. So, so yeah, that's, uh, I hope I answered your question. Hell yeah, that's really cool, my friend. And uh, I, I loved that episode with M1. It was really cool. People should check that out because, like, not for nothing. To be, like, I would have been, if I were you, I would have been, like, excited for that call because like especially with your history um having that really be such an inspiration to be able to talk to m1 must have been super super dope um and i'm glad you were able to have that experience and also glad you know for the experience that you had from uh dead prez and being able to kind of like take something like like a piece of art like an album and let it lead you down that path because ultimately that's kind of what, you know, they made the album for, I would imagine. Yeah. And, and also why we make content like this and why anybody talks to anybody about socialism, but you make a good point to say that like a lot of people really don't come from these in intellectual, um, well-studied circles and I don't necessarily think that's, you know, a bad thing. I think ultimately it's really our experiences that, that drive us to become educated, even if we don't come from an educated standpoint. Um, but I think that more often than not, we, especially in the West, because of like, you know, inherent anti-communism from years and years and years within the U.S., um, but also just ardent anti-communism within the social system that we live in. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you know, talking about kind of educating and getting along like a certain path and starting to do some work. 
what is it that you really feel here in the U.S. kind of holds people back from learning about communism, learning about socialism, or even more importantly, beginning to engage in building socialism? So I would say a couple things. Obviously, the whole system is designed for us to not, you know, you, you just spoke to, to this. The whole system is designed for us to not learn about this stuff. So, you know, so what do they do? They lie about it. They scare us. I mean, I remember, I, I'm, you know, I remember being a little kid and not understanding anything about politics. But I in my mind, I knew that Fidel Castro was evil. Right. According to to what everybody around me was saying, Um you know, it's not until you actually sit down and get to study this stuff that you realize, well, wait a minute, there's a there's another there's another side to the story. Right. So part of it is that the system is designed in such a way where, you know, we're we're, we're not. It's um, I've often used this uh, analogy. Uh, you, you've seen The Matrix, the movie The Matrix. Yeah, this is The Matrix. We're living in The Matrix. Um, you know, you know, are you remember that part, that scene in the movie? You know, when uh, when, they, when they're talking to Neo and he's and he's, you know, going through that simulated little thing. And then he's like, hey, are you paying are you paying attention to me? Or are you looking at the girl in the red dress? You know, it, it just there's so many distractions here in, in the United States. Um, and, and there's a niche and genre for everything. And so, you know, or you know, another part of the movie where the guy, you know, I, I forget his, his, his character name, but he he says, um, you know, he basically becomes a traitor to let, let's call them the revolutionaries. Right. Um and he's talking to the machine and he's saying, you know, I don't give a fuck. I want to go back. I don't really give a shit about this stuff anymore, you know, and, um, you know, and make make me somebody famous. You know, I want to forget everything. And then he's tasting that. He's eating that steak. He's cutting into that steak. He goes, I know this. I know the steak ain't real, you know, um, but ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. And like that's <laughs> that's Americana right there, man. As long as listen, as long as you're distracted by the big shiny object, you know, uh, by by by, the, by those shiny objects, and and you're able to, you know. And so it leads me to my second point. So part of it, again, part of it, the, the system is designed in such a way. The other thing is that, you know, and I know a lot of folks are not going to, you know, want to hear this. Um, you know, something that we've talked about over at Anti Conquista is that, you know, as a, as a th- from a third worldist position, is that all the material wealth here in the United States, it is. Listen, it is different, you know. And that's not to say I'm not trying to be this. We're not. No one here is trying to be dismissive of you know the, the extreme poverty that exists in the united states i know it I, I live through it you know if you're homeless you're homeless it don't matter if you're black white whatever and you're in the united states you're homeless that's a that's a terrible existence but we also we also have to acknowledge the amount of material wealth that exists in this country and so this country is very you know in generally speaking folks are very chauvinistic um you know we get sold this whole american exceptionalism thing you know we're number give me one second here Sure, guy. Sorry, I just uh, <laughs> so I have a 120 pound Rottweiler, and he gets excited every once in a while. So he's in the background, um, you know, he thinks it's time to play. So I just uh, I close my I'm over here in my office, so I just close the door. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so there, you know, there's just a lot of material wealth here. So you know, um, you know that 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 that's that's a pro- that's also problematic. You know that, and that that's not to say that you want people suffering or anything like that. It's just that it does. It's different, right? If we're going to compare the material conditions here versus anywhere in Latin America, I mean, you got it. You got to give us that. You got to give us that. That it's that it's different, you know. Um, you know, Mortal Technique, in that I think in one of those songs said, um, you know, when talking about the third world, you know, it makes it makes the hood and 
in America look like paradise. You know, of course, that's an exaggeration. It's hyperbole. But, um, you know, in some instances, there are there are places in, in, in America that are starting to look very third worldish. Right. And typically, you know, you know, at least in these uh, densely populated areas out here in the East Coast and West Coast and, you know, places like Chicago, it's, you know, it's black and brown folks down down south. And, yeah, you'll have, you know, you have situations where, you know, even for, for white folks. Um, but but, yeah, I mean, you know, you got to you got to acknowledge that, that there's a there's a the material conditions are, are, are much different here than they are in in the global south. Yeah. And I think you even said it in the way that you phrased it, that there's places that are starting to look third world ish. We, we assume, you know, by using that term that the third world had to be extremely destitute before anything could be described as looking third world ish. So if, if we are talking about the destitution that exists here in the United States, we have to understand that most of our descriptors and our understanding of that is through a lens of, you know, these awful pictures of Africa, Latin America, and right. Asia that were given from a child's age right. to understand poverty. Um, and so I think you bring up a great point in that, you know, the Americas um, have completely become framed in what we now call America and Latin America. And that is because quote unquote, America has consumed enough for all of the Americas and right. has consumed from all of the Americas in order to uh, make itself fat. And because of that, you have genuine, A, amounts of wealth that can be given out to groups who become a little wily, who want a little you know, seat at the table. That's what we see in the, the labor history here in the United States. Yes. You see a lot of attempts for a seat at the table or at least a piece of the pie. Um, and, and that comes from the few scraps that the people who do not get that seat at the table had left. Yes. Um, so I think that, you know, you bring up a great point that the odds are really, really... Um, you know, really kind of against us. And, and it's been a ideological battle as much as it's been a physical battle. You brought up Fidel Castro and how you, you know, inherently knew of his evilness, his supposed evilness from a young age. I feel the same way about uh, Kim Jong-un from a very young age. You know, North Korea is bad, as well as uh, President Xi, you know, like, right. um, but... Speaking of Fidel, your show is called Sons of Fidel. Right. So to, to take us to kind of like, you know, discussing some third world politics and, and also just talking about uh, your politics in general, how did you kind of really make your way towards doing this show, Sons of Fidel? Yeah, so... Um... You know, I had I had the idea for a podcast for a, a while, and I didn't I didn't want to do it alone. And um, ideally, I did want to do it on on an existing platform. Um, so at the time, <coughs> excuse me, and I apologize if I cough a few times. I'm I found out this morning I have an upper respiratory infection, so um, uh, so I do apologize if I cough. Um, so I had at the at the time I had reached out to uh, uh, Professor Danny Shaw. 
and he, he really wasn't interested at the time. And we were going back and forth. And and then finally he said, you know what, maybe maybe we got something here. And so we did, you know, we did launch um, a Sons of Fidel uh, as both of us co-hosting. Uh, and then, you know, we, we reached out to Anti Conquista um, and um, <clears throat> um, and they agreed to have have it hosted on their platform, which was awesome, awesome because they're you know, they have an existing infrastructure. We didn't really need to, um, you know, do much in terms of, we had to basically for just focus on the content. Um, and so that's how it started. Now we, we had a bunch of different names that we came up with. <laughs> we threw a whole bunch of names up on the wall and the one that stuck was Sons of Fidel. I came up with the name, um, and, um, you know, I just, I thought it was catchy. Uh, and, and, and I kept, I kept selling it to, to Shaw and I said, look, this, this is, this is the one right here. And then the more we started doing soft pose, you know, with our, just our, our, you know, it wasn't very scientific. It was just, you know, we were just asking people like, right. Like, what do you look at, look at these names, which one you like. And everybody's like, yo, sons of Fidel, that's just sound hot. So, so yeah. And then, um, I have a comrade out in the Dominican Republic, uh, who's, <laughs> who is, his name is actually no joke. His name is, um, Fidel Ernesto. Um, and, uh, you know, his father's a revolutionary. Uh, he's a professor. Seems like it by the name. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 There's a whole anecdote about that too. He didn't tell his son until he didn't tell his son ever uh, who he named him after. And his, his father, um, um, Rafael Castillo is a professor in the United in the, in the Dominican Republic. And um, uh, he's a, he's a militant in one of the, the communist parties over there in the Dominican Republic, La Fuerza de la Revolución. And so he never told his son who he named him after and didn't get his son involved in politics. And one day his son, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm, I'll get back to the, to, you're good. You're good. Yeah. So, but he, you know, one day, you know, he sees his father with at the activities and all this stuff and he's learning about the revolution. And one day he just gets, he just gets really pissed off at his father because he started putting two and two together. And, and, and then he just goes to his father and he's like, why, you know, why didn't you tell me you named me after Fidel Castro and Ernesto Che Guevara, two amazing revolutionaries. And uh, he said, cause son, that was for you to figure out. He goes, I wasn't, you know, I gave you life. I gave you a name. <laughs> um, I didn't need to impose my ideology on you. That was for you to figure out. He figured it out. Of course, he got. He said he was really <laughs> upset at him for a few weeks about that. But anyway, so I reached out to Fidel <laughs> and Nesto, and um, you know, it was it was pretty decent with like graphics and stuff like that. I said, look, man, I, I need like a silhouette logo of a young of a young Fidel Castro, young Fidel, like young gangster ass Fidel Castro with the with the cigar. And he goes, I got you. So he was like, this, this is pretty simple. So he got me like, 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 a, you know, that, that happened overnight. And um, yeah, so that's, that's how we got the name. That's how we got the logo. Uh, and that's how we, we landed on uh, Anthony Kukisa's uh, platform. Uh, you know, then uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, Professor Shaw is no longer part of the program. I, um, uh, but I, so now it's, uh, it's co-hosted by, uh, by myself and uh, by me and, uh, and, and Nick Ayala, uh, a member of Anthony Conquista. The man. Yeah, man. He's a Nick's a cool guy. Uh, I, I've been lucky enough to be able to have some chats with him. Um, he's a really cool guy, and I'm excited to. I, like I said, I I must have, you know, missed that. I don't know where I was, but I have to go through and listen to some episodes then because I'm excited to hear y'all chopping it up. But yeah. uh, so, like, I wanted to kind of combine uh, these last two questions um, because I I think that. I want to get to more of the, the meat and potatoes stuff, but um, you know, you've gone, you've been able to be an activist. You said since your twenties, you were, you know, beginning, beginning to become radicalized and, and getting involved in organizing. 
And, and now you're, you know, doing Sons of Fidel, you're doing other things as well. So I wanted to ask from kind of like your experiences that you've had, um, maybe why it's led you down kind of a, a path of podcasting. And are there any other projects that you're like working on at the moment? Yeah. So right now, uh, you know, we have, I'm involved with the Sons of Fidel um, podcast, uh, as, as we stated multiple times here. Um, and now Anthony Conquista, we launched a new initiative, um, I believe today. And again, I'm sorry, I'm a little foggy because uh, I'm, I'm sick. But I believe today we, we had episode three of West, uh, 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 of a, a new initiative that we have. It's a, a, a weekly news roundup on, on our America, Nuestra America. Um, it's, it's, so it's basically, you know, just to cover over, cover, uh, you know, uh, some of the, the headlines uh, happening and some of the stuff that's happening in Latin America on a week to week basis. And we're excited about that. You know, um, you know, there, there's really there's always stuff going on in Latin America all the time. And there's not really any, you know, I, I don't say anyone, no one's covering it. They are. But, you know, we want to we we're hoping to be like a go to. Uh, place you know where people could check it out and listen to it from a with you know in that in, in that using that medium you know the the, the plat you know the um the, the podcast um so there's that uh anti is also you know we did launch um or rather we did initiate this uh conference uh, several months ago now we did we did there have been a bunch of stuff that's happened that has us sort of distracted but we'll be getting back to that um we launched this um the solidarity conference amongst, you know, within the diaspora to try to get different, you know, um, Latino, Latina um, um, organizations, media outlets uh, in the diaspora, um, you know, that are considered progressive, socialist, communist, uh, left, you know, I know some of these you know, terms you want to be clearly, you want to clearly define them, but, but, um, but yeah, so we we're, we're working on that alliance. Uh, that's that's something that's in the pipeline. Um, and then this is very preliminary. You know, I, I mentioned it today. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't. I hope I don't jinx myself. But but M one. You know, I do have history with M one. And you know, folks definitely go check out that interview last that we did last week. Um, and so M one. You know, you know, you know, said to me on a recent phone conversation, "Hey, listen, we gotta we gotta chop it up about." getting you involved with people army. And so, um, um, you know, let's, let's talk about that. And so, you know, again, nothing's been uh, finalized. You know, we were supposed to mention a little bit, kind of tease it a little bit on, on, on la last week's uh, interview, but um, you know, he did at the, at the end, we had a connection problem and uh, we never got him back on, but, you know, we're hoping, you know, we're hoping we can, we can work with, with M1 and his people um, in that, you know, in that organizing, you know, capacity. I mean, I have a few ideas. I got to see what the, what their organizational structure is like and what, what, what they're doing, but, you know, um, ho hopefully we could, we could collaborate there. That would be incredible. And I really do thank you for uh, letting us know about all the work that you folks over at Anticonquista are doing because it is important work. I think the only news source that I ever see uh, that gives like good coverage to, what happens in Latin America uh, is uh, your folks' shows as well as uh, People's Dispatch does a pretty good job of 
covering what's going on. But of course, they are usually going over such a wide array of topics that they can't go into the depths that it seems like you folks really want to give these struggles. So that's really cool. Um, and thanks for letting folks know about that. But um, Absolutely. So now I want to ask you some more questions about the struggle in general. So right off the top, let me hit you with the, the most popular question ever. <clears throat> Why socialism? <laughs> yeah, so I mean... For me, I'm gonna I'm go back now to again, like when I was 20 years old, and then I start, you know, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23. Um, when you start connecting the dots, it just became so obvious. Anybody who who you know who enjoys math, you start you know you start breaking things down to to the common denominator and try to keep it very simple and plain. And and for me, you know, you have. You got you got to pick a side. It's, it's just there's two sides to this. Um, there's white supremacy, settler colonialism, uh, morphing into capitalism and imperialism. There's that whole trajectory there, right? And there's that side. And then and there's the counter to that, which is you know people's people's. Uh, uh, right to be self-determined, national liberation movements, uh, socialist communist movements. Um, and so it, it's it's just as simple as that. When you break things down to the common denominator, like I don't, you know, I heard Oliver Stone one time call himself a benign capitalist. Like, I don't want, like, that's a that's an oxymoron. That's a contradiction. Like, you can't, don't, you know, you can't be a capitalist revolution, like, you know, a capitalist, you know, enlightened you know, benign revolutionary that, you know, no, I don't want to hear that shit. You know what I mean? So like, you know, um, and then, you know, even, even, even when you start breaking down, you know, some of the things that Marx said, which was, they were never, you know, my understanding is, you know, uh, you know, I had some, you know, I had pretty good workshops and stuff like that. And professors who, who broke this down and said, you know, and no one's ever really said it, said it in these terms before Marx where, which is that, you know, in order for a society to thrive, any society, it needs to be able to reproduce and needs to be able to produce uh, goods and services and food. Okay. So we, we know that those are the fundamentals right there. In order to produce food and certain goods and, and certain products, right, um, what do you need? Um, you, know, you need labor. You need some instruments. You need some raw materials. Notice we didn't say in there you need um, technocrats and bureaucrats and and a CEO and managers and supervise. You know, you could and you could you could have those even within a socialist uh, economy. You know, I think that I think there's a you, you're going to need to have some of those, right? But at, at our at it, at its core, again, let's break things down things down to just the just the basic fundamentals. Um, you know common denominator, you know, what are the, ne what are the things absolutely necessary um, that you need? What are the elements, the three elements that you need to be able to produce a particular good, right? And anything, any material good, right? A product, whatever. Labor, machinery, instruments, uh, and raw materials. And so, you know, you, you hear the term uh, often, uh, you know, scientific socialism. And, and I believe, yeah, I believe, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, 
you want to be scientific about your approach on how you look at society and how society is, is you know, how, how do we organize things in society? I think socialism, you know, communism um, provides you that, you know. Um, and so, again, I hope I answered your question, but that's, you know, when, when you when you when you break down capitalism and socialism, I mean, it's just very it's obvious that you don't. You know, to me, the way we organize our economies and organize our societies off of this. Current model, you know, it's very parasitic, it's very doggy dog man versus man, um, you know, this nonsense of greed is good. I, I, I don't you know, just it doesn't that's not natural. And, you know, the question of what to do with surplus capital. I mean, again, these are these are all things that are if you're if you study socialism, communism, um, you're going to be able to delve into. Whereas, you know, I've I've you know, I've fucked around and, you know, you, you can go and I challenge anybody. Go ahead and go read Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell and, and some of these. It, it, you read this stuff and it's like a lot of the stuff you could really you could easily, easily debunk and deconstruct their arguments it's not hard it's really not hard and there's not a lot of imagination um you know in 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 the world that they um you know that world that they project and try to impose and and promote whereas the world that marx and lenin and fidel so on and so forth that it's just it's just you know when you when you put it you know side by side it's just there's no there's no to me there's no um there's no debate. There's no argument. It's, uh, you know, um, scientific socialism is, socialism is, is, is superior. It's just a matter of time. Um, you know, and by the way, for folks, folks who are interested in Thomas, so who's corny as fuck. I mean, the guy's just, and he's, he's got like arguments that you could easily de deconstruct. It's like he himself was a Marxist. He himself was a Marxist. And then he points to the, he has these anecdotes of how he became a, a capitalist or whatever, a capitalist economist or whatever. And it's like, it's like based off of like real flimsy, stupid shit that I'm like, that's how you became a, like, nah, you're just self-serving, you know? So he realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I could, you know, I could pimp this shit. I could, I could pimp my intellect mm. uh, and, um, and, um, and make some money off of it. You know, fuck this, fuck this socialism shit. You know what I mean? So like, he's not, this is not somebody who really has the best interest of people in mind. He has the best interest of Thomas soul in mind. Uh, but not, not, you know, and then they promote that, that that's good. That's good. That's what you want to do. You want, again, the whole greed is good thing. It's just a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of bullshit. And then they, again, they often leave out, you know, um, you know, these, um, um, you know, these, the, you know, what, what happens on the global scale between in terms of finance, capital and trade and commerce and war and the CIA, this is what the CIA and the, and the state department, it's just, all of that is conveniently left out. No, it's just socialism is, doesn't work. Right. It's uh, <laughs> no, they, they won't talk about, you know, Guatemala like 1954, you know, and the Dulles brothers uh, overthrowing uh, uh, Jacobo Benz. They won't talk about that. They won't talk about Salvador Allende and the CIA plot to overthrow Allende. You know, the other September 11th, they won't talk about that. You know, they won't talk about um, supporting Brazilian uh, 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 dictatorship in the 50s in, in Brazil. They won't talk about that. They won't talk about in the Dominican Republic how we had a democratic process. Right. We had a we overthrew a dictator. Right. We had our own democratic process to elect to, to elect our own president. And then the United States said, mm, you know what? We don't want another Cuba on our hands. Let's go invade 1960, you know, 1965. Let's go invade the Dominican Republic. They won't talk about that. No, it's just socialism is bad, right? So, 
again, I, I'm sorry for the long-winded response. I hope I answered your question. My friend, that's why we're talking. I, I'm, I'm here to have a conversation with my friend Victor. So however you want to answer the questions, you answer the questions. Um, and you did give a good kind of understanding. I think something that I was reading recently, um, which was, uh, I believe, Lenin's early notes on a new economic plan, um, which in and of itself was a, you know, a controversial thing. I think he does a very good job of pointing out that certainly capitalism is not the system which benefits the majority. And we can see that clearly with the heightening of contradictions between rich and poor, um, black, brown, indigenous and white people, uh, cisgender folks and LGBTQ folks, as well as the very neighborhoods and environments that they inhabit. I think it's very clear to see who capitalism benefits and who it doesn't. Um, but <clears throat> the reason in this is because capitalists system, uh, inherently is anar anarchistic. And I don't mean that obviously in the sense of like, you know, the anarcho theory from Peter Kropotkin or Bakunin or any of those, but I mean it in the sense of unorganized, completely out of control, mm -hmm. um, because capital ultimately goes into the field wherein, the highest rate of profit is it doesn't have any kind of planned way of providing for people as you said a society in order to uh really become a continuous society it has to be able to re reproduce i.e you know it has to be able to feed kids that are being born um and be able to give them you know any kind of sustainable living and give them jobs and be able to reproduce the very things that those kids needed in order to survive for the next generation. That's, you know, ultimately what you need. And so you can't have a system wherein, you know, for example, like uh, in the early, early stages of the pandemic, as we saw all the Congress people pull all their stocks out, pull all their uh, investments out to truly just cut the legs out from underneath our system. Um, and imagine if we had you know, lived in a socialist system wherein all that money was being dedicated towards PPE, oxygen, uh, hand sanitizer and other, you know, foodstuffs and things like uh, hand washing stations. Imagine what them pulling that money out would have really done. But because capitalism isn't actually made for us, them pulling out their stocks was only just yet another, uh, uh, I shall call it a mask off moment. For those of us who were already really suffering to see, wow, they really don't care about us. Um, and I think that when we talk about, you know, a lot of the contradictions that are heightening, um, and by that I mean, like, things are getting bad, uh, for those who don't understand, like, that terminology <laughs> or whatever, but, like... Um, it's very clear to see that a, another thing that is really hurting the masses is our inability to really unite with one another. And I think Kwame Ture does a great job of discussing what kind of unity the people, the masses, the working class really needs to be working for. We can't simply be united, which we are not even united against capitalism, we can't be simply united against something. We have to also be united for something. So I think that we are here in the United States, uh, in a lot of cases, very much behind the bar, at least in our mainstream political discourse. 
uh, on this topic of, you know, the need to not only be anti-capitalist, but also to be pro-socialist. But more than this, we can't even get uh, black, brown, indigenous and white folks to agree upon uh, things like police brutality, uh, to agree upon things like land back, um, to agree upon things like how to handle a pandemic or an economic system. So I just wanted to ask you to maybe give a little word to why it is you feel that it, that is such a problem in the United States specifically, just because that is the context in which we exist right now. Yeah, that's a that's a loaded question. I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is this is like the age old thing here. So, um, you know, <clears throat> you have it basically. I mean, one way to look at it is just it's just you have you have this huge, you know pie or whatever and, and or access to resources um and power you know and i i know that i've done a lot of local politics um i remember what somebody somebody said to me in my 20s you know uh, lo local politics local and state politics are nothing but it's a question of power of who gets who who's in power to be able to control the local resources and disseminate um you know, certain jobs. So it basically becomes like you got these little fiefdoms, you know, all over the place. And it's a fight. It's a fight to, to try to, you know, to try to get something for your people or, or just try to try to, or to, you know, we have in the Dominicans, we say in Spanish, say, and that's the mentality. It's, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to take you out so I could put me in and then, and then I'm going to take care of my people. So it's like, it's a lot of, I mean, you know, one way to look at it is just a lot of tribalism, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I know a lot of folks, <clears throat> you know, I know there's this hope again, and, and I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Um, but, you know, a lot of folks uh, are now I'm seeing a lot of folks pushing this, um, this uh, sort of nationalist uh, thing, um, you know, trying to mix that with socialism and, I get what they're trying to do, you know, but there's, you know, we also have to be clear about what that is. You're, you're basically making an appeal to white workers. And Here in the more, United States, you mean? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and to be more specific, retrograde racist white workers. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the union. I've experienced it myself um, where my quote unquote union brothers and sisters, you know, um, <laughs> Let's say aren't my brothers and sisters, right? Um, and that's that's a difficult task. You know, some people say, "Well, that's the working class that you got. That's what you got to deal with." I mean, but like you, again, you, you got to be able to be a little analytical about some of this stuff. You know, given our history, you know, and so people say, "Well, in Russia, this is not Russia." Like, I don't know why people keep pointing. You know, it's like, you know, I, look, I I read Lenin and Marx, but you know, some people will take. It's just, it's. It's Lenin and, and, and Marx, you know, um, only, and that's it. There's only that one perspective, and there's nothing else, you know. So I don't, you know, I I, I do come from a, you know, I I've I've said before I, I pattern my, my you know part of my my ideology, you know, after after Malcolm's black nationalist ideology. I'm a, so I and by the way, I don't know if folks know this. I always take an opportunity to say this that. Um, you know, Malcolm X was influ heavily influenced by a guy by the name of Carlos Cooks. I'm trying to get some of his writings. Carlos Cooks was actually born and raised in the Dominican Republic. 
came to the States and became a black nationalist. He was a Garveyite. Uh, so a little nugget there for folks. If anybody could help me get some of his writings, I would appreciate it. But get, getting back to your question, it's just, look, this it's, it's, it's a balkanized, fractured country. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of tribalism. You know, you have a lot of different, you know, ethnic groups, a lot of different racial groups. Um, and we're all fighting for resources. Um, and then, so and the system is designed a certain type of way where it's, it, it's sort of, you know, it, it's okay with that. Right. Because while we're fighting each other, you know, the, those, those oligarchs at the top are, are doing all right. You know, they're doing all right. Um, so that's an arduous task. It's a, it's a, it's not, you know, you know, I know we're all romantic about the idea of revolution, you know, how to get there. That's a, that's a, you know, um, so I don't really have a good answer for you in terms of, you know, I don't know if that was going to be your next question or whatever of, of how we do it. You know, you know, obviously you want to be, you want to preach solidarity, but you know, it's kind of, it's really hard to preach solidarity when, you know, knowing the history of the working class in this country, specifically again, white workers, you know, specifically, you know, certain unions who've been in, in bed with the state department and the CIA. And mm. this is not conspiracy theory. This is, this is what's on record. You know, I mean, we don't have great to. Great book. Great book for that. Settlers by Jay Sakai. Um, I think you can see quite clearly the way the AFL-CIO, um, the Knights of Labor, and other organizations still in existence today clearly went against the needs of Black, Brown, and Indigenous uh, men, women, and, and, and non-binary folks who, like, you know, aren't in the category that when they struggle wins the game so then their struggles are forgotten and we see that time and time again you make a great point yeah yeah so again i hope hope i answered your question there but yeah that's i mean it's a it's a you know we got to obviously keep preaching solidarity um and i'm you know over anthical keystone <coughs> you know we said it <coughs> excuse me we said it last week we brought this up with m1 because you know they've been criticized as well you know um you know of you know People have labeled them, according to M1, that, you know, that they, 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 they too hate white people. And I guess if that's all you got out of their music, you know, I think you miss, I think, I think people really missed, <laughs> they missed a lot there. You, you know, people of color are because of this 500 year plus history. Um, you know, pardon me for being a little skeptical of white folks, right? Like pardon me for being a little resentful, right? It's justified. It's justified. It, it, so we're looking for, I've said we're looking for John Browns. You know, we're looking for that type of white person. You know, someone who's willing to risk it all and sacrifice their own privilege and say, I'm not down with this shit. You know, I'm a choice, I'm a show true solidarity. You know, I I you know, with somebody like that, I could shake your hand all day. You know, but don't don't give me fake solidarity and empty rhetoric and you know, oh, hit me with the hashtag solidarity and yeah, make yeah. that be it. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, you know, I don't, you know, we, we got it's gotta be with deeds, with action. Um, you know, and 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 that that requires taking some risk. Um, you know, Big so time. you know that that's <clears throat> that's my take on that. And I think you make a great point that like if that's all you got out of M1's music. Or, for example, you know, speaking about Malcolm X, that was commonly the thing that was waged against him. Oh, yes. he just hates white people. Oh, yeah. Well, listen to his speeches. Listen to, right. you know, I'm actually it's funny that you mentioned Malcolm X for the first time. I was able to get a copy of his autobiography. Um, so I'm going through and reading that right now. But I 
recently I found a page called um, Socialism for All on YouTube that has a few of his speeches uh, as like like the audio from them. So I like to go on there and listen to those every so often because he's a fantastic speaker. It's it's very hard to not get, uh, uh, shall we say, excited right. when you listen listen to Malcolm X speak. Um, but you make a great point that like people of color have great reason, historically speaking, to be like, mm, no whitey's loud. But yet so many don't say that. So many say, no, we, you know, it's about deeds, not about, because that's the difference. And, and in one of his speeches, Racism in Reverse, Malcolm X says, it's, it's not possible right. for black people to be racist against white people in the way that white people are racist against black, brown, and indigenous people because it's systematized. It is structured. It is built into the very ideology of the entire society. Black people were not allowed to live in the same spaces as white people, drink out of the same... Like, it's, it's a whole different thing than saying, like, white people are, you know, dangerous or uh, I don't want to be around white people. It's like, I can't really blame you. I don't want to be around white people, but that's my family. So like, I don't get, I don't get to step away all the time. And it's annoying because you're right. Is like, there's a need to be skeptical because in a white supremacist society, it's pretty easy to become a white supremacist as a white person, whether it's implicit or explicit, it doesn't quite matter when the deeds come out, it's always racist. So um, it does kind of bring me into the next question about, you know, how do we build that solidarity? Um, I think we have been seeing a lot of fantastic demonstrations, uh, you know, last year, all throughout the year, and still even in some places today, you see Black Lives Matter really put in, you know, the, the massive amounts of police brutality, and racism still rampant in the United States in the face of people everywhere. Um, but we know as Marxists that this isn't enough. Um, protests and demonstrations need to be connected to a larger struggle. They need to be motivation for the working class, not demonstrations for the, the bourgeoisie to, you know, fan at. Um, but ultimately, just a reminder of here is who we are and what we're going to do. So y'all better get listening. So how is it that rather than just simply protests and demonstrations, I want to ask that we can really start seeing and building true solidarity, true solidarity, um, which I would argue in the way that the Black Panthers and the Young Lords did it, as well as, you know, other folks such as the Young Patriots and the Rainbow Coalition. Um, how do we do that while also really building socialism in that way? Would you like to expand on that a bit? Yeah, well, I, I will say this, though. Here, here's the thing. We, we do need, you know... We do need the conditions in place for us to be able to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm. give uh, good so, point. Good so point. Here, so here, here's the thing, um, you know, definitely recommend for folks to, you know, um, again, if you're listening to something like this for the first time, go go study, you know, the Cuban Revolution, um, and and there, there's a book particularly I would recommend folks to 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 read. Che Guevara wrote 
uh, episodes of of the Cuban Revolutionary War. I, there's that title. It's the same book as um, is written. So you, you got you got two different publishing companies, uh, Ocean Press and Pathfinders Press, and I think they have two different. It's the same book. It just has two different titles, um, and it's a historical account um, of what took place, basically from I believe, if I remember correctly, from the time that they were in Mexico. Uh, when I say they, you know, Chad, Fidel, and, and, the, and the Cuban revolutionaries, um, they were training in Mexico, and then they, you know, landed in Cuba, and then, you know, up until the triumph of the Cuban Revolution, January first, nineteen fifty-nine. It's a good book. It's a great book to study. It reads almost like, um, I, you know, I remember I've read it twice. It's been over ten years since I read it, but um, I remember reading it. It re reads almost like fiction because um, mm. it's like hard. It's it's hard to wrap your head around, you know, this, this ragtag group of, of, of bearded men up in the mountains, you know, you know, overthrowing a, a U.S. backed dictatorship of 10,000. But they did it. But here, here's the thing, though, about what's interesting about that. And I'm, I'm going to get back to your point, uh, to your question. Loop around, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I raised this um, I, this example, I'm illustrating this, 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 uh, this example here, because the actual conditions were there uh, for revolution, like. There was a there was popular resistance in the in the in the urban communities, um, the campesinos, the farmers. They were all with it as well. Intellectuals, academics, you know, Fidel Castro at the time was a nationalist hero, um, and he was able to consolidate, you know, power up in the, up in the mountains, and he was able to, you know, um, come to to all these different. He was able to sign all these accords and agreements and pacts with different groups and alliances and create all these alliances and, and essentially create this massive coalition. You had the conditions there, right? For people to be in solidarity with one another. So fast forward, you know, several years later, Che goes to Fidel and goes, you know what? I'm going to Bolivia and, you know, can I get your blessings? And I'm getting, I'm, I'm paraphrasing everything here but can i get your blessings i want to go out to bolivia i'm gonna do the same shit over there <clears throat> guess what happened the conditions weren't there he tried to fabricate and manufacture revolution and in fact the same people he was trying to quote unquote liberate in bolivia were the same people that snitched on him mm. and got him got him gunned down by the cia Forget the 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 CIA something something I think Rodriguez, um, motherfucker, it? that's his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and, and by the way, if you read his Bolivian diary, juxtaposition that with that book I just mentioned, episodes of Cuba Revolutionary War. Um, it's it's night and day. There's just no. You're reading the Bolivian diary, and it's just very dry. It's not. There's nothing happening. It's just it's slow moving. It's it's a hard, it's a very difficult read. I only read that book once. I never want to read it again because it just um, you know I got Che Guevara tattooed on my arm. It's it's um, you know it's a it's a it's a very you know it's 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 sort of dark, right? And not sort. It's dark. It's a dark. It's a dark. It's a, it's a that was a miserable existence for him. That eventually got him killed. Back to your question about you know how do you do? Look, you have to have the conditions in place. Um, and we saw that in 2020, we saw, we saw glimpses of that, you know, you had a lot of people who didn't necessarily didn't identify 
you know, self-identified as being socialist or communist or even revolutionary. They were just tired. They were fucking tired of this shit. You know, between the pandemic and the economy, you know, people were just tired. And then, you know, obviously George Floyd, um, the incident with George Floyd, people were just tired of this shit. And you have rebellions all, all over the place. So you 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 do need the condi- I don't think we can fabricate that. I think there's there's it's there's going to come a point, and it, it may not happen in our lifetime. You know, you speak to you speak to elders, and they you know they thought they were going to have revolution in the sixties. You know, here we are, it's two thousand twenty one, um, and we still don't have revolution, um, right? We still don't have you know it hasn't happened yet. So you need the conditions in place for that. I don't know if they exist right now. And I will say, I will say one, one other thing. I got, I caught a lot of flack this for, for being somewhat nihilistic, and I get it. You know, and maybe, maybe I'm, you know, it's okay. I, I'll take the criticism, and I'm, I always analyze any position that I have. But in my adult life, adult lifetime, you know, what I've seen is that every time a Democrat takes hold of the White House, the entire progressive slash revolutionary movement in America just, just goes to sleep. Mm. And would-be warriors and would-be revolutionaries, would-be soldiers get co-opted. I, I've had a few f- friends who I thought were super progressive and super, I hate to use the word radical because you could be a radical Republican. But, um, you know, uh, let's just say radical, progressive, maybe not necessarily revolutionary, but they were on their way towards, I thought, towards becoming, you know, p- potentially a revolutionary. And then they ended up getting jobs in Washington, mm. telling me how great Obama is. <laughs> Shit. You know, that... So, so I, I say all this to say that, um, you know, I, I, the only the only thing that I kept hearing from folks about, uh, you know, why we should vote for Biden, which I did not do. I didn't vote for Trump either, but uh, I didn't vote at all. Um, but the, the, the I just kept hearing, well, he's not Trump. Like, that's all people. Have. He, he is not Trump. You know, from folks that I thought were, again, not Marxist, not communist, not socialist, but progressive. And and they were out there voting for Biden. And it's just, you know, um, I, I, I would caution folks with 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 that because, you know, it, nothing, no material conditions are not going to change. They're not changing. And what we do, our foreign policy, what the empire does in places like Venezuela and Cuba and Nicaragua and so on and so forth, and now Syria and whatnot, that's not going to change. So this that's idea like that we're getting changed because a, a liberal isn't get the fuck out of here, you know. So, you know, this is this is a this is a tough one for for folks because they pull different levers. Liberals and, and and conservatives pull different economic levers on the domestic front, and um, you get this illusion, these aesthetics. You know, you got this woke imperialism shit that people are now a part of, woke capitalism shit that people are a part of now with the Democrats, this drug of inclusion. Um, it's a, it's, you, we're going to keep having this problem, you know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody maybe even worse. I thought, I thought there's no way you can get worse than Bush. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Trump is crazy. Right? Trump was crazy. Like he was, this guy was like a street, I mean, not like he was a, you, you had a white supremacist <laughs> in the White House. It was crazy. Right. Um, but that led to a lot. I, I've noticed that when, again, when the Republicans in his office, in, in office, they just, they push different levers, um, on the domestic front and <clears throat> that those movements sort of all of a sudden wake up, wake the fuck up. 
Democrat gets into office, everybody goes to sleep. And I called it. I said, watch, Biden's going to get into office. We're going to fucking fall asleep. You know, it just lets you know how weak um, <clears throat> this movement really is. At the height now of my adult lifetime or my, my lifetime of now where, <clears throat> you know, they're polling young people and saying socialism is popular. But it's weak. The whole movement is weak. You know, so back, back to, you know, again, to your original question, we need the conditions in place in order for that to truly happen. And until then, we can't fabricate it. We can't manufacture it. I, I mean, you can't really argue with something like that. I appreciate you having me on. And this was an uh, this was a great conversation. It went much better than I. Not that I had, you know, low expectations. I just, you know, this is the first time I haven't listened to your your programs. And I, and I will at some point when I get a chance. And so, um, you know, I, this went much better than uh, than, than I expected. And I um, I appreciate you having me on. man. Yo, listen, of course. And I um, I can't get mad at anybody for not listening to my stuff because a where's the time. And also, B, I'm very, you know, small. I don't have a wide name for myself. I'm just glad to have been able to get you on to be able to really meet you and to be able to have this, you know, session to chop it up a little bit. Um, and I want to save the questions that we didn't get to go over for possibly having you on again, because I think there's some good conversation that could come out of them if you would be interested. So I, I would love to have you on again. Um, Absolutely. I'm definitely down for part two, man. Hell yeah. But before you go real quick, yeah, um, just go ahead and hit yourself with some plugs, you know, where people can find you again uh, and and say your, you know, your piece. Yeah, absolutely, man. Listen, anticonquista.com. That's anti, <laughs> anticonquista.com, which is a whole little play on, on words, if you will. <clears throat> and we're, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, uh, we're on Instagram. And, um, you know, just check out Check out all the work that we're doing over at Anthony Conquista. And then obviously the, you know, the podcast that I, um, that I host is, uh, uh, Sons of Fidel. Um, you know, if you're looking to contact me personally, I mean, you know, my name is Victor Coronado and I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Word. Well, thank you so much again for coming on my friend and we will see you next time. Stay safe and, and get better. Go get you some rest. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Have a good one, man. Yeah. Thank stay you. safe. Peace. Peace.